Collateralized loan obligations, or CLOs, have gone mainstream in recent years, continuing to gain acceptance as an institutional quality asset class. But with a potential recession on the horizon and expectations that corporate defaults may be on the rise, do CLOs still offer the potential for attractive risk-adjusted returns? There's no question that we still face a lot of uncertainty around the macro situation. But at current levels, we're finding really attractive opportunities, especially at the top of the CLO capital structure, where senior tranches are offering a powerful combination of historically high yields alongside structural protections. That was Melissa Rico, co-head of Structured Credit Investing at Barings. And this is Streaming Income, a podcast from Barings. I'm your host, Greg Campion. Coming up on today's show, finding attractive value in collateralized loan obligations. All right, Melissa, welcome back to Streaming Income. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have you back here on the show. It's been a little while since we've talked about CLOs, and there's obviously so much going on in this market right now. I thought it'd be an opportune time to talk about it. And so maybe we can start high level. Um, I'm hoping you can talk a little bit about how the asset class has been faring against a macro backdrop that's obviously been pretty uncertain with rising rates and still persistent inflation out there. How have CLOs been faring so far? Yeah, sure. I mean, um, I would say resilience is the best word to describe the CLO market. And I mean that from both a, a performance and liquidity standpoint. I think anyone that's been in the market as long as we have, it's just been remarkable to see the CLO asset class grow the way it has. We're over a trillion dollar market just the wider acceptance of the asset class overall. I think we've dispelled a lot of the myths that the three-letter acronym comes with. Yeah. We've certainly seen just strength in overall liquidity. I mean, one interesting point is that there's over seven ETFs for the product now, kind hmm. of speaking to the broader you know, investor base yeah. that, that we've seen. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, and so, and in terms of some of these more, I guess, cyclical forces. So you think about like higher rates, for instance, is that, has that been a tailwind uh, for the asset class? And I mean, I'm curious how you and the team are thinking about that because there's a lot of conversation right now. Of, are we getting near the end of this rate cycle? Um, you know, how are you thinking about just that impact on rates uh, on the asset class? Yeah, it's certainly been a very um, large factor, significant factor in our market, I would say. Kind of looking at year-to-date returns for our asset class, they've been quite strong. You know, triple A's down through double B's, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that base rates are in the low 5%. So CLOs are offering very attractive carry I mean, high coupons, you know, right now. For example, triple A's offer a 7% coupon to investors, and that's for an asset that has experienced a 0% default rate, can handle the entire CLO portfolio defaulting with a 65% recovery. So mm. some real kind of attractive features there, I would say, overall. Um, obviously, you have sort of the other side of the coin, which is the impact on the underlying loans and from a, a rising rate perspective. So that certainly has to be considered. And I know we'll talk a lot about, you know, some of those those fundamental uh, features as well, but it's, it's certainly very topical. Yeah, yeah. So let's get into that. Let's talk about the fundamental outlook. So I'm curious, um, as you start to think about 
the broad health of the underlying loan market and, of course, the CLO structures themselves, how you're kind of assessing that right now, and then also, you know, how you and the team are starting to think about, you know, what the default picture could look like, assuming that we, you know, head into a recession eventually, although it seems to Mm -hmm. continue to get pushed further and further into the future. But just curious kind of how you and the team are sizing up that fundamental outlook today. Yeah. I would start really, maybe we'll start with the positives first, right? And and the first would be the fact that um, I think we're starting from a pretty solid place in the, in the point of, um, you know, companies have pretty strong balance sheets. They've pushed out maturity walls. Capital markets have been open. Interest coverage ratios are starting from a high place, you know, as, as well. And the second positive, I would say, is from a CLO perspective, CLOs, have less risk, I would say, than the overall loan index. So if you look at defaults, for example, currently CLOs have less than a 1% default rate, mm. whereas the index is more like 2 to 2.5%, depending on how you quantify that. Okay. And a lot of the reason for that, right, is the fact that CLOs are actively managed. So managers are going out, thinking about all of these risks when they're constructing portfolios, but then they're also trading. So they're so they're able to kind of get ahead of um, some of these things that we've been talking about for so long. Right. A lot of this stuff is not a surprise. It's um, you know, it's been it's been on the forefront, you know, for for quite some time. And then if you think about so, you know, the kind of what rating agencies may do. So you think about, okay, let's assume that the economy slows down, some of these underlying issuers start to run into trouble, maybe we see defaults start to rise for the underlying loans. Mm-hmm. Curious how that will translate, I guess, both in terms of rating agency actions and what that could mean for the, the space. And and I, and I guess I'm curious kind of where that default picture may go, both for underlying loans and for the CLOs structures themselves. We're, we're certainly anticipating that there's really only one way to go from the current picture, right? Mm-hmm. So defaults will pick up. I would say expectations are somewhere in the 3 to 5% range over the next year. I think they'll potentially be on the higher side of that range if you kind of consider distressed exchanges, which has been the majority or at least 50% of the credit events that have occurred year to date. I would also say that you know those are levels that we think are manageable within the CLO structure, and you know uh, that range has been pretty consistent with all of the the managers that we talk to and the managers that we cover overall. From a triple C or downgrade perspective within the underlying CLOs, yes, we are seeing that kind of come through. On average, CLOs have about a five percent exposure to triple Cs. Um, I could see this going to maybe. 10 to 12%, of course, it's always hard to predict. And there will be a lot of bifurcation across deals, across managers. We'll see a lot of difference in performance. So I think that's an important aspect of all of this. But again, these aren't levels that we think are going to cause an issue for the CLO structure. CLO structures are set to withstand this type of thing. We've seen this before. I think what will be a bit different this time around, and we're having a lot of discussions around, is just recoveries, Mm. right? So I think we're seeing a pretty wide dispersion and the recoveries from defaults year to date. And um, for context, historical loan recoveries have been around 70%. We have to manage that down, I think, overall, right? So that's just something that we're considering as well. 
Okay. So if you're an investor in this asset class or you're thinking about making an allocation to the asset class and you're doing your due diligence and thinking about, okay, what's my real potential downside? Let's assume we hit uh, the economy, you know, hits a real rough patch. We start to see more uh, underlying defaults and you start to see, you know, that triple C bucket rise. At what point do you start to get worried about that? At what point does cash flows need to be diverted to, you know, away from CLO mm-hmm. equity holders? How does all that work out? And do you think of that as a pretty r- remote scenario as we sit here today? I would say uh, we'll definitely see some deals sort of hitting their triggers, if you will, their over collateralization tests, which will potentially cut off equity. There's no question that there are uh, and in particular, there's some deals that were from 2017, 2018 vintage that were not able to reset that may have already had some tail risk in their portfolio. So if going into the cycle and approaching the end of their reinvestment period, the managers are going to have less flexibility to trade. And so those deals we think could look worse for the equity or more of like the single B, double B type tranches, right? Mm-hmm. So I think where there is potential areas of concern, that would that would be it. You know, so I think from a, a cash flow cutoff standpoint, I think the important thing to remember there is that those are temporary shutoffs, if you will, mm-hmm. and they're mm-hmm. meant to uh, to occur to protect debt holders. So I think there's some equity that, that would be potentially at risk, but it's going to vary just depending on the deal, depending on the portfolio profile and sort of what the tail risks are there. Mm-hmm. But overall, I don't view any of those things, just broadly speaking, as, you know, a major issue for the asset class in terms of, you know, receiving your principal back. Mm-hmm. There could mm-hmm. It could cause some, you know, volatility in mark-to-market, things like that. So I think being more patient in this asset class is important. These are longer-term vehicles. Yeah. And, and we're kind of making a leap here, looking at worst-case scenarios, mm-hmm. especially when you just mentioned that defaults in CLO portfolios are around 1% today. Mm-hmm. But in the past, so if you've gone through you know, cycles like including the GFC back in 2008, 2009, when some of those deals had cash flows diverted away from equity, how did that ultimately work out for some of those deals? Yeah, I would say the interesting point about that is that when um, cash flows are diverted and if they're diverted to buy additional collateral during volatile times, Mm -hmm. that actually allows the manager to buy discounted assets, which ultimately is accretive Mm. to equity. And so if we look at the equity performance from deals from the that were issued around the great financial crisis, they've had some of the best returns. Hmm. So you're looking at like 20% plus IRR. So I think that is an interesting point. Um, I mean, obviously it depends on where your cost of liabilities are within the structure and a lot of other factors. Um, So I wouldn't necessarily say that every situation and every market's gonna react the same way, but I do think that is an important aspect of the CLO structure in that you know, managers are able to reinvest and the structure can, you know, work to protect yeah, the debt. Yeah. Okay. That yeah. makes sense. That yeah. makes sense. I'm probably being t- way too overly dire <laughs> in my line of questioning <laughs> here, but uh, I, I think that it's no secret that everybody has just been expecting this economic downturn that keeps getting pushed off and pushed off and pushed off. But you assume that at some point it gets here and Mm -hmm. and we may face, you know, some of these headwinds. But it sounds like you're pretty comfortable in terms of the structural protections that are in place and the starting point from which you're coming Mm -hmm. from in terms of the underlying 
credit uh, yeah. exposure. I think the other important point, too, to make that we haven't yet is the fact that CLOs are extremely diversified pools, right? Mm. And so if we're thinking about defaults, it seems like it's going to be idiosyncratic in nature. And that's what we've seen year to date. It's been you know, pretty evenly distributed across sectors. Mm-hmm. So within a CLO, it, you know, it's very diversified from both a position as well as an industry standpoint. So I think that's also, you know, a, a significant benefit in this market. Yeah, out of interest, did the CLOs tend to have much or any commercial real estate exposure? That's obviously a sector that's really in focus right now. Yeah, no, um, definitely not not from a direct standpoint. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some loans that may have some sort of more indirect, you know, exposure, but we're not finding that to be very significant mm-hmm. right now. Okay. We talked a little bit about the fundamentals. Uh, I wouldn't mind shifting and talking a little bit about technicals as well. So technicals can be a big driver in terms of both the underlying loan market and the CLO market as well. So if you think about the supply and demand dynamics that you're seeing in the space right now, how would you characterize those? Yeah, I mean, it's been pretty consistent for our market for quite some time now that, you know, we've all been, you know, complaining about the challenged arbitrage in our market. And really what that comes down to is sort of just this imbalance between where CLO liabilities are are priced versus where loans are are priced, right? And so CLO liabilities have not kept up with loans. Um, loans have been moving up more recently, which has made it more difficult for managers to issue CLOs. And so we've seen a bit more muted supply, especially over this last quarter. Um, that being said, it's been interesting to see that there still has been pretty significant volume year to date. I think we're down maybe about 25%. But so even with that, right, mm-hmm, there's ways mm-hmm. that that um, deals are getting done. And I think that really does speak to the fact that there is demand out there. Um, you know, U.S. banks, I know we've talked about in the past, have been largely out of the market. And that's been a significant impact to the demand for AAAs. And so that's what's also made it tougher. There have been other buyers that have kind of come in and consistently bought. Japanese banks are still very active. Insurance, some U.S. banks are still playing, just maybe not to the to the degree that we've seen in the past. So you're seeing discipline in the market, some patience. I would say the market's more open to tier one managers. So it's much easier to get a, a deal done. There's a pretty wide basis between where you can get your AAAs done if you are in tier one versus not which we can talk about that, but I think that is, is an attractive opportunity as an investor. So yeah, I would say we're expecting going forward not to have the kind of the similar issuance that we've had in the past, still stay fairly steady and just, you know, overall more discipline. Okay. Okay. So you've had kind of less issuance overall. You've had some historical buyers like U.S. banks maybe take a step back. Is that related, by the way, to the regional banking crisis, or is that other factors that are driving that? No, I mean, that's really other factors, and that's occurred quite some time back. I would say the recent banking crisis, interesting that I feel like our market has gone somewhat unscathed Mm. to a a large degree, um, and that, you know, CLOs didn't hold any regional banks, and we really saw very little forced selling. I certainly don't think that's helpful right mm-hmm. now for U.S. banks to come in, but I wouldn't say that that was definitely the cause because this has been the case for quite some time. I would say I think generally the expectation is they come back. I won't try to predict when that could be. You know, there's been some talks about maybe mid-next year. We certainly think there's a lot of reasons they should be back in the market, but you know, it's not something that I'd 
want to predict. Mm-hmm. Now, on, on the manager tiering point that you made, so that's really interesting, and I'd like to understand that a little bit more. So, uh, of course, at Bearings here, we have two different parts of our CLO business. We have mm-hmm. the part that you and your colleague, Taryn Leonard, manage, where you're investing in third-party uh, CLOs and putting together portfolios of those for our clients. And then you have uh, the part of the business that is run by Adrian Butler and her team that is issuing CLOs. And I think Bearings as a CLO issuer, correct me if I'm wrong, I think we would be considered one of those tier one managers where our the deals that we're pricing tend to be at the tighter end relative to competitors. But tell me a little bit mm-hmm. just more about that differentiation between managers and how that impacts whether or not you can issue or not in an environment like this. Mm-hmm. I think it largely comes down to that AAA tranche in that it's just such a large part of the capital structure. And the buyers of AAAs typically may have a more limited list of, of managers that they're willing to invest with. I would categorize them mostly, but maybe not all, as kind of the larger scale managers that they're But I would argue, and I think there's case to be made, that there are other managers that have track records where they maybe came from another platform, right? So there's there's a lot of the story that you need to understand and due diligence that you need to do. But if you can pick up an additional 50 basis points on a AAA, for example, Mm -hmm. and be comfortable with that manager and you have to have a historical proven track record and have the right resources and all of that commitment to the asset class that we think, you know, that could be fairly attractive and has been sort of a gap in the market mm. that, you know, we, we've liked to look at. I mean, I think, you know, manager is one of the most important criteria, we think, when investing in a CLO. And I think, it, you know, if we're looking at a double B, for example, we're going to have a much more refined list of mm-hmm. managers that mm-hmm. we're willing to invest with. But uh, I think there's a, a case to be made, you know, further up the stack, if you can pick up, you know, additional spread and, and it makes sense. Got it. Got it. Now, at one point, I think we were seeing lots of new shops popping up issuing CLOs. Are we still seeing that or has the more, the slower kind of issuance environment, has that kind of slowed that down? Curious if you're still seeing like consolidation in this space or any big movement there? Mm-hmm. I think that's um, actually really interesting because I think we often talk about manager consolidation and we do see it. I mean, we continue to see it, but it's never really to the degree that I think we're all expecting. Mm-hmm. We have seen some additional like new managers come to space mm-hmm. where Maybe they're part of a larger insurance company and they've built up a team to issue CLOs. Now, one could argue maybe this wasn't the best time considering, you know, it's just much harder to do that. But I think many of them, I'm I'm sure, have, you know, the patience and and all of that. So I don't think that it's necessarily going to result in some quick, you know, manager consolidation on that that front. Mm -hmm. But things are always changing. You know, it's always interesting to see the dynamics between those acquisitions. And oftentimes they'll happen for different reasons. Mm -hmm. So it's very case by case, I would say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it seems like the long-term trend, as you kind of mentioned up front, is, you know, growth of the asset class, continued acceptance of CLOs as an institutional asset class. So you would expect that as part of that, you would continue to see growth. I know we're seeing growth in other areas like private credit CLOs is another you know growth area as well, which again is probably not surprising given the massive growth that we've seen in that market as well. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we talked a little bit about the fundamental outlook. We talked about the technical outlook, um, a little bit about the sort of competitive environment out there in the picture. 
Let's talk a little bit about just opportunities, right? So I know you mentioned AAAs as being attractive right now, given the yield on offer. Tell me a little bit about, as you and the team kind of survey this landscape right now and look to put capital to work, where are you seeing some of the best opportunities today? Yeah, I mean, um, I, I would kind of just start off by saying I think it's important to note that CLOs, I think, you can almost look at any part of the capital structure other than new issue equity. I will put that aside and say that it offers attractive, pretty attractive relative value, especially when comparing it to like-rated corporates. Okay. I could say that almost about you know every part of the stack. I think the the thing is the the relative value within the stack moves around from time to time, right? And so, yeah, we've talked about triple A's. There's no doubt that they're incredibly attractive in the market today just from a, a risk return standpoint and just the, the the carry that's there. I would also add double A's. You can pick up an additional 80 basis points in, on top of triple A's for what is still an incredibly risk remote tranche that is never defaulted. So all those things I think ring true for the double A's as well. I would add further down the stack, triple Bs and double Bs, I think. If you're looking for more yield, double Bs we think look more interesting than equity. So there you're able to earn risk-adjusted returns, I would say low to mid-teens, which is actually higher than where we see new issue equity today. And again, mm. this can change and move yep. around, but I think that's typically the case. And there you're just going to need to be mindful, right, of what the tail risks are in portfolios, you know, does, does the manager have the proven track record, you know, things like that. If you buy in the secondary market, you do have some upside. If you're buying it at a discount in the new issue market, we really like the clean, high quality profiles from tier one managers there. So there's there's sort of a lot, mm-hmm. it, it, a little, it depends a little bit about your each individual's client's risk return type profiles and you know kind of what they're looking for. Yeah. So so would you say, and I know that you and the team kind of are always monitoring different parts of the capital structure, looking at everything from AAA down through equity. And as you mentioned, things change and relative value shifts around. Would you say it's true today that, you know, given the higher base rates given the fairly wide credit spreads that you're able to achieve in the debt tranches, would you say that that makes equity look relatively unattractive today? Yes. Okay. I, I would say that generally speaking, especially I would caveat that with new issue equity. Mm-hmm. There is some secondary equity that trades that, you know, it's it's more difficult to make that widespread conclusion because there's a lot of different nuances that come with, you know, what vintage is the equity from? What does the portfolio look like? What dollar price are you buying it at? What do you see as the overall return? What do you think the takeout is, right? So there's those type of things when you're looking at secondary, but I definitely think that's the case with new issue equity. Got it. Got Mm -hmm. it. Okay. All right. Well, Melissa, this has been a really great tour through the CLO asset class and a great update on kind of some of the big dynamics that are shaping the space right now. As we bring this conversation to a conclusion, I just wanted to give you the chance to offer any parting thoughts to investors who may already have an allocation in this space or may be considering one. Any parting thoughts to share? Yeah, I would say sort of given the backdrop of, you know, some of the the risks we've talked about, I think CLOs offer a lot of attractive features, right? Whether it's the diversification of, of the portfolio, the structural protections, 
and, and not to mention, you know, the active management, which we think is is really key. You know, all those things together, the fact that CLOs offer very attractive yields as well with high carry, we think that makes a ton of sense in this market environment. Yeah, such an interesting time right now, such an interesting space, an asset class that's really stood the test of time as we've seen cycle through cycle. And as you point out, some really attractive value on offer in different parts of the capital structure today. So really appreciate you sharing your thoughts, Melissa. This has been awesome and uh, hope to have you back on the show again soon. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to episode number nine of season eight of Streaming Income. If you'd like to stay up to date on our latest thoughts on asset classes ranging from high yield and private credit to real estate and emerging markets, make sure to follow us and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and more. We publish a new episode every other week. And if you have specific feedback, you can email us at podcast at bearings.com. That's podcast at B-A-R-I-N-G-S.com. Thanks again for listening and see you next time.